Hello, fam. How have you been? I am so happy to welcome you into today's mega powerful episode of Ceremony Circle Podcast. I'm your host, shaman, and author of the best selling book, Animal Power, Allison Charles. And today we have the great pleasure of sitting with not one, but two amazing guests. Lena Franklin is a modern medicine woman, transpersonal psychotherapist, and transformational speaker. She offers the ancient practices of meditation, energy medicine, and psycho-spiritual healing in an accessible way. And her partner, Jeff Glatstein, is a dedicated healing professional, teacher, and spiritual guide. With decades of study and practice in the arts of shamanic healing, energy medicine, tai chi, medical qigong, kung fu, and life sciences. He has been initiated into many different shamanic traditions, and he's also an accomplished entrepreneur, writer, teacher, and they both guide groups on spiritual adventure retreats. They're also both the founders of the East Institute, a global organization that exists to support the healing and awakening of humanity and the planet through ancient embodied practices, plant medicines, and cutting-edge science. So, as you can tell, we could have gone in many different directions for today's chat as they are both so deeply well-versed. But in feeling in, I was guided to go directly to the heart of something. I wanted to go into their individual healing paths that got them both individually in a place of readiness for twin flame reunion or sacred partnership. And initiations also ended up being a huge through line theme from them sharing about the most spiritually pivotal times in their lives to the incredibly fiery initiations brought on when they realized there was more to their relationship that they needed to step into. And I want to honor and thank them both again right now for sharing so openly for the first time about those deeply challenging and clearing away times. And then we close today with them both guiding a shamanic journey that can allow you to get more fully connected with your soul and what you're really here to be and do. I appreciate both of these spiritual guides and teachers so much, and there is so much medicine in their storytelling, so I advise you to kick back, light a candle, set an honoring space, maybe even get some popcorn, because this is a popcorn-popping-worthy tale of two medicine people being brought together to set the world on fire with their embodied ancient wisdoms and bold spirits. Meet Lena Franklin and Jeff Gladstein. Oh, oh my goodness. Hello, soul fam, and hello to... Lena and Jeff, oh my goodness. I'm for those of you who are particularly energetically sensitive, you can maybe already feel the uh, palpability of the space that the three of us have already created together. I knew it would be a lovely space that we're all sharing in. So thank you, Lena and Jeff, for being who you are and for joining me today on Ceremony Circle. Thank you so much for having us. We're honored to be here to share this space with you. Thank you. Ah, yeah. And as I was tuning in for our flow, it was really 
It was such a nice tuning in for me because as you both, I'm sure live in pretty much exactly the same or similarly same way. I really just surrender all that I do. And so when I feel in for each interview, it's every time it's different. It's like, sometimes there's very exact questions that I feel called to ask. And other times it just feels more of this open portal, more of an open void. And for us, it definitely felt more of that crow medicine voided space. And it made perfect sense considering we all do shamanic work. So I thought, let's just open the gateways and just allow it to become a shamanic journey that the three of us and everyone joining us can enjoy together. There were a few main themes though. And when I ask this first question, I ask it with the clear awareness that it is a huge portal that I'm asking both of you to start to enter into to answer, but it felt like the right starting point because I really, at some point in this time together, want it to culminate into the fact that you both sit in this beautiful sacred union and you're now, you know, receiving all these clear downloads of what to bring to this world and the unseen worlds together in this sacred union. And I know so many people are in this beautiful space of readiness to call something like what you both have and what Luke and I have into their lives. So I would love to hear from both of you and we'll just like let this spider weaving, weaving of a web, just open up and just take us and we'll just flow with it. But I would love to hear from both of you, some of the main chapters and experiences in both of your lives that you went through to prepare you to come together in this sacred union. And yeah, I'm just going to keep it very vague and very open and let whoever wants to start first go. Be careful what you ask. <laughs> what it's not so you go ahead and start. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So as I'm tuning into this, thank you for the invitation to step into such an expansive space of exploration here. What's coming through initially is was the loss of my mother, who was my spiritual teacher in human form and is my teacher now in, in soul form. And she uh, was beautiful, fiery Buddhist Vietnamese woman who immigrated to the U.S. in 75. And her movement, like her voyage across the world was this beautiful embodiment of what she was, what our contract was made of and, and the teachings that she shared with me as a child, very organically growing up in a Buddhist home, Buddhist Christian home, as she moved more towards her transitions, so she had a very sudden stroke when I was in graduate school, getting my master's in social work. That was my initial awakening. And so my access point in that moment was just the, the heavy grief that was moving through. And, and that guided me on the path back towards many of the meditations, the spiritual teachings, the Buddhist foundation that she taught me. And so I feel like we're at this really important place where there's a lot of 
treasures, wisdom treasures within it. So can you share a couple or maybe even just one reason why that portal of grief and the particular medicine, because it's such beautiful medicine that grief brings in. Why do you think it was that the, the pain that you were allowing yourself to be present to through the grief, how was that your guide, your teacher back to some of those foundational teachings and back to your roots? How did it, how did you let it inform you in such a profound way instead of taking you down, took you in this spiritual quest? Yeah. What a beautiful question. And I will say in that vein, right. Answer it directly, I, I was in this place of duality. In one sense, I was partying, I was drinking, I was like in that numbing part of my life because it was so immense, the pain was. And in the same breath, I was open to the guidance that was moving through. I mean, literally it felt like the best words I can use, I feel are like this inner voice, this energetic guidance to initially a yoga class at the local gym in Athens, Georgia, when I was in school and through that coming to the mat, I mean, this physical, spiritual, energetic coming to the mat, I began opening more and more to the expanse beyond the human grief I was feeling and this deeper soul-based relationship with my mother who is guiding me you know, every step of the way. So it was a willingness to at least pause in stillness in certain moments to, even if it was bleeding, listen to the guidance to go to the yoga mat, to return back to the meditation cushion. And I will say too, the feeling of desperation was really very much a part of that. Like I will do anything to help myself not feel this immense pain. Mm. The pain was my first experience of something that felt crippling from an emotional standpoint. There were light sides and dark sides, but all in that kind of swirl of non-duality as I was allowing the grief to move. That's so beautiful. Yeah. That space of non-duality through an initiation that I'm currently in the midst of it's been a main theme that Luke and I have been talking about. And from his perspective, he's been in quite a big amount of awe in witnessing how I'm able to be. And as he puts it, a state of grace through this initiation and with it so well, he's like your adaptability. And as he was explaining it, like I saw this vision of my willingness to be so at one with all that is, has created such a wide cast and deeply cast web that as light, wherever life takes me, I'm moving at one with it and I'm able to feel everything that needs to be felt, but I'm not resisting or pushing against it. I'm still letting myself be led. And that was coming back through again, as you were explaining too. Yeah. What humbling teachers, these initiations. And and I can even, it's like, as I'm talking, I'm seeing like visions of myself. Like I can remember the first time I felt her presence in my heart space, in my meditation, like in a very prominent, palpable, embodied way. And just the unconditional love energy, just moving through and the cleansing of the tears, like in, in those moments, 
so deeply grateful for the continuation of her work in this lifetime. And I'm owning the strength and courage and resilience to receive that from her and continue to do the work to embody it and move it forward. And so do you feel compelled to share the next golden uh, pebble on your pathway, a next chapter, or let Jeff share his first one now? I'd say I'm feeling guided to allow Jeff to share, but there is a golden nugget, the next initiation that I do feel called to share. So let's flow. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. Well, it's interesting that you refer to these life events as initiations, and that's what they are. For me, in retrospect, being guided onto this path was a series of initiations that happened over the course of many years. Beginning when I was about eight and a half years old, my older brother was shot in a holdup attempt. It was a drug deal gone bad, and he was left paralyzed from the chest down. So I grew up very quickly in an environment of a lot of trauma, a lot of family trauma. And in part, it was interesting because there was this emotional shutdown that occurred with me as a young boy, but at the same time, it was a spiritual awakening, okay? And there were friends of my, friends of my brothers that would come over and bring him books on spirituality. So I began reading when I was about nine years old, about many different, what then was referred to as esoteric practices. And I was fascinated you know, by that. And that led me into just a whole series of experiences, mostly centered around the family trauma of kind of awakening and then sort of closing down. And my initial entry point was with martial arts. I was Always a new kid, we moved around a lot, so that wasn't very popular. And I learned martial arts initially to learn how to defend myself. But very quickly, like literally within the first year, I became fascinated with the internal aspects of the arts, how energy moves, meditation. So I began that when I was about 11 years old and studied Tai Chi and studied Kung Fu and studied many of the internalized versions of those particular art forms. If I flash forward in life, brother passed away uh, seven years later. Mother and father passed away within two years of each other. And with each passing, it was yet another kind of initiation, another emotional opening, where I had become, through life, I had become emotionally stoic. So on the outside, I didn't really show much but on the inside, I was really dealing with a lot of very deep pain, a lot of trauma. And that manifested in my life as a life-threatening illness later on in life, where uh, doctors, Western doctors, had diagnosed me with an incurable condition. They'd given me three months to live. So that was another awakening. And after three years of kind of fighting and going through the allopathic Western medicine treatments, I heard a voice very clearly one morning that said, heal yourself. And I stepped back onto the path of many of those things I had learned earlier in life. And eight months later, my body had healed. Mm. And through that initial eight months, it was a very deep initiation into shamanic healing and energy medicine. And as you mentioned, this great unfolding, once we remember how to follow where we're being led, amazing things 
present themselves to us. And that's what I did. And for many years, I just followed where I was being led. The way you described it reminds me of surfing, where you literally just feel everything that's moving and you just become one with. And that's what occurred with me with life. I was called back east to China, to uh, two different monasteries to study, and then to Tibet. Uh, Mongolia, Siberia, Peru, back to the United States. And this was long before Lena and I came in contact with each other, or, or so we thought, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I we can't had, wait well, to I, get to that part. <laughs> yeah, I have some great stories about that. But for me, it was that it was born out of loss, what I refer to as a major life event, or a series of those major life events, that really created the environment for me to go much deeper inward to understand what I was feeling, to be with what I was feeling instead of continually either stuffing it away or avoiding the pain. Yeah. I'm so struck. There's a few things that just keep hovering as you're sharing. And one is a theme I've been very present to through this current initiation, and that's the impermanence of this earth walk and our experiences here and our relationships here. And just the the high level, the deep level of beauty and power within impermanence. And it's so interesting how starting at such a young age, you were confronted, you know, with, I would consider facing the impermanence of life is one of the most potent things that we can be confronted with. And starting at such a young age, that was, I mean, right in your face and such a pronounced way with the way your brother was, you know, attempted murder or whatever the classification was. And then witnessing him change his state and form of existence through being in the wheelchair. And then yes, being confronted with both of your parents passing away, like you really, from my perspective, those initiations of impermanence and the way of this earthwalk that, that you chose to experience in your life. Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine as those waves were coming in, I would imagine for me, it would take a lot to find my way through that type of discombobulation. But as you were sharing, which I think is such an important thing to share, I call it divine connect the dots. And you referred to it as the surfing. And it's like, when we finally open up a bit more to allow the connection to the totality, to the oneness of, of all that is, and, and to the unseen worlds and the benevolent support in there. Yeah. I mean, the support is always there, right. And when we allow it to inform us, it can change our lives. And that's actually what I wrote on this piece of paper right before I opened the zoom for us, I was laying on my floor on my back and I was like, what is the main place that both Lena and Jeff have gained mastery in? And I know that this might not be in your opinion, the main way. And I know you've gained mastery in a lot of different categories, but what came to me was they both gained mastery and boldly answering the call of the soul, despite impending burning of what's known. Maybe we can flow 
Lena to, I'm curious if your next little nugget on the path might coincide with what's coming up for me, because I know you and I are both former, you know, I ran cross country and track at the university of Alabama and you were a soccer athlete at university of Georgia. And I believe both of our exes were baseball players. And, you know, I wasn't sure if the next nugget, cause you, I think we have a, a lot of similarities in this way, you know, on the outside, we had this like seemingly Mm-hmm. quote unquote, perfect life and these relationships and all of this stuff. But as the call of the soul, I believe for both of us got louder and louder, mine required a divine intervention. And I would love for you to share if you feel called that time where you're so aware of the collapse and the burning down of so many things you had put so much into building, but yet the call of the soul wouldn't let you stay in it any longer. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure you can relate, Allison. But as an athlete, as a child playing travel soccer, and then, I mean, the whole, the whole focus was this physical performance and competition. So that became such an ingrained part of my conditioning. And kind of in this interesting way because of some of my mom's trauma growing up very poor in Vietnam, the PTSD experiencing the Vietnam war, that conditioning of competition was very much ingrained and entangled with survival, you know, physical survival. So that whole quintessential tiger mom messaging around you work hard you can do anything, which is a beautiful message. But there's also the shadow side of the perfectionism and just the never enoughness and that deep survival instinct. So, uh, part for the course that I, I got a full ride to play soccer at the university of Georgia. And there were beautiful friends that what I'm still connected with that I met there during my undergraduate years, I met the man who became my first husband and everything looked beautiful. We were both collegiate athletes. He he actually played basketball at the University of Georgia. And we had a lot of fun. It was like this kind of very physical, three-dimensional life of fun and partying and travel. And it looked beautiful. And so I shared about my mom's transition when I was in graduate school. We were together at that time. And from that moment moving forward, there was this accelerated awakening, this accelerated calling back into my soul's purpose and really exploring what I'm meant to share um, on this earth plane during this lifetime. And I was very dedicated to that. That was clear that this was my path, however it unfolded. And I was willing um, to let it unfold and to be a student of my soul's calling. At the same time, I was living this life that was very image driven, was very materialistic, very much focused on what people thought and external approval, which very much was connected to some of my pieces, my conditioning around survival. And it came to a point where I could no longer deny my soul's calling And at the same time, the misalignment that was happening, that was existing in my marriage. 
it was as if I had completely repressed that part of my life and I needed something very fiery to wake myself up out of it. So, so liberation could happen. And that whole collapsing, the disintegration was very intense, very fiery. And I'll share some about how that unfolded. I mean, literally I woke up one morning and I couldn't get out of bed and my energy systems were shutting down. And energetically, I was completely depleted because of the misalignment and the constant giving and my ex taking was like this energetic imbalance, right? So I visited an energy medicine practitioner. In that same month, I was teaching a private women's meditation retreat in the North Georgia mountains. And one of my dear students was practicing this gorgeous Tai Chi looking practice outside before a morning session. And I asked her, where did you learn that? And she said, my shaman in Atlanta. It was like this lightning bolt that came through me. I have to meet this person. And so I, let's jump. I got um, his contact information. Oh, wait, here we are to the moment. Okay. Yeah. I have been personally holding off on asking this question until this interview. And so I just want to take this in because we have arrived to the moment where Alina begins to meet Jeff. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cause that my divorce and all of that disintegration is very much it's woven into all of this. So I'm teaching this meditation, private women's meditation retreat. My marriage is falling apart. My energy centers are depleted and, and I get this lightning bolt message of, I need to meet this man, this, this shaman in Atlanta, shaman, we live in the South. So to hear about a shaman in Atlanta, like piques my interest. So I got his number and probably the day after I contacted him, I was actually already planned. I had plans to go to Peru the next month. This was in October. I was going to Peru the next month in November and so I was going to go to ask for a recommendation or a connection around who I should connect with in Peru. I wanted to do some authentic traditional ceremony there. And I walked up his driveway and for my first meeting session with him. And there was this, when he opened the door, I mean, it was like electricity through my body, just immediate recognition in Jeff's words, <laughs> in his mind, he's, what came through was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> so, yeah, yes, because now you, because what is coming up for me as a practitioner, as a shaman, as a healer, you have to, you're coming to him for healing. And right. so you guys are dealing with various textures and layers of remembrances and things happening at the same time. So this is very intriguing waters to be in. Okay. Yes. Well, so in, in that vein, I want to rewind to about five years before we walked up the driveway. I had been living a very nomadic um, life as we do many times on this path, traveling, working, and I had landed in Southern California. I had a small place on the beach in uh, Hermosa Beach, California. And in my bedroom, I had these floor to ceiling windows that overlooked the beach and the ocean. And I could see the moonlight many evenings uh, on the water. And this one evening at about two o'clock in the morning, I literally felt this electricity 
this this energetic charge flowing through my body. And I sat up and I looked over to the left where the, the glass windows were. And in the glass was this beautiful apparition of this you know, long, dark-haired goddess in a white flowing gown that just moved like in the glass from one side of the room to the other. And I had already been very deeply on my path at that point. And I was asking, like, do you have a message? Who are you? The face just turned, you know, and just looked at me, and then just the apparition just disappeared. And there wasn't a message that I received. There wasn't like this clear aha moment. It was this experience that just left this imprint. Well, anyway, his life is life, went back into the 24-7 physical reality, and then the non-physical reality, as Ashamans did. And flash forward five years, I had communicated with Luna by text. And as she was walking up the driveway, I looked out my window of the treatment room, and there was the same apparition I had seen wow. the last five years earlier. And that's when I said, oh, this is going to be interesting, right? And in that and, moment, d did it become more clear or did it take spending time together to really discern? Because obviously people can appear as apparitions and come into our lives because they're meant to be a friend or a teacher in some way, when you looked out that window and connected that she was the goddess apparition, was there an instant knowing of this is something other than friend, teacher, whatever? For me, yes, it was immediate. However, that knowing was very strongly tempered by the professional ethics. Yes. Okay. And I knew that it was not my place to say anything. Yes. And it was really two or three months into us doing work together that Lena realized mm -hmm. what, what I had known a little earlier. Mm -hmm. And we both wanted to be, you know, certainly honorable and respectful of our life situations. But there was that, that knowing mm -hmm. that we both had. Mm -hmm. And many times with twin flames, one has to wait. For the other, fortunately, once we physically met, it wasn't a very long period of time. But when there's that mutual understanding, that recognition of what this really is, well, that then launches us onto a completely different set of considerations and a different path, which usually includes massive deconstruction of life, as we know it, and everything associated with that. I always share with people when we do work around twin flames, Meeting our twin flame is rare in life. Meeting a twin flame that is a romantic relationship is even more rare. Coming together, even more rare than that. Staying together is the rarest of all, right? Because of what two flames coming together truly means, that ascension process, and really what it takes for each person to navigate through that. Because every fear, everything that doesn't serve us comes up healing mm -hmm. and it can be immensely immeasurably uncomfortable and i'll kind of stop there and kick it back to me and she's got some great stories about all of that well I, the little thread that i want to touch on yeah that i just think it's so good to bring that type of clean energetic 
into the conversation is like you said, the ethics and the integrity then that comes into play when we are these embodied shamans that have these awarenesses, whether it's a seership gift or however the awareness comes in, there's such massive responsibility then of then discerning with the information we're aware of Is it ever meant to be shared? If you are to hold it, I just think it's beautiful and worth putting another stamp of communication on the fact that you were clear right away, but had that knowing of the needed discernment of holding that information, knowing that you needed to allow her and perhaps she would have maybe never arrived to that place. Right. And you were willing, it seems, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like you were in a place of willingness of if she never arrived, unless you were guided at some point to share, you were willing to let her take however many steps or time or layers of healing needed to arrive to the information that you had already gotten to. Yes. Yes. And, and that's, I mean, that's a great point that you bring up, Allison, is that we do have that responsibility. Stepping over that line for our own personal reasons is a violation. And there are many times where we have to just hold information, hold the space, make certain the person is asking themselves the right questions and not feeling the need to give them the answers that ultimately helps people guide themselves back to the most profound and most powerful realizations. Yeah. And how beautiful the trust that you two were building and weaving in these otherworldly ways by that clean, safe, energetic space being built. Maybe especially Lena's conscious mind had no idea that conjuring was happening, but that trust weaving back and forth on a soul level, building that foundation for you two before even having the verbal conversation. It's such a beautiful, potent foundation that you two were creating. Hey fam, I hope you're enjoying today's lovely Ceremony Circle podcast voyage. This is just a quick note to remind you that Animal Power Book, my first book, is officially out in the world right now. It has been released. And even before it was released, it was being rated as the top new release on Amazon in both the shamanism and angel and spirit guide categories. I'm so thankful to all of you who have already purchased the book. But for those of you who haven't, Animal Power 100 Animals to Energize Your Life and Awaken Your Soul is now available anywhere books are sold. You can go to your independent bookstores, you can go to Target, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you please, and you can pick up a copy for yourself and your friends. Within the book, I share with you what power animals are, how to connect with power animals, why you want to, and there are 100 different power animal allies featured. Each has a full page of embodied, vibrant, colorful artwork done by the late William Santiago out of Brazil. And then there are energy messages and power practices that are rituals and ceremonies you can do to deepen your relationship with the animal. And there are also stories from other shamans and spiritual teachers from all around the world. They talk about an animal that changed their life 
This is the project that I am most honored to co-create and to bring out into the world. It is powerful. This book is definitely a living, breathing medicine book. And I have been so enjoying all of your personal stories of what you've been experiencing with it since you have gotten it in your hands. So you can, again, go to anywhere books are sold or you can go to my website, alisoncharles.com backslash animal power. And when you order the book there, you also get a free video guided shamanic journey that I facilitate with my drum for you to meet your current power animal. All right, guys, back to the show. Wow, it's so magnificent. It's really such a gift to retrace. I know we're in Mercury retrograde now, so it's, it's divinely perfect, of course. Yeah, it was. I mean, I'm just tuning into the moments of when my conscious mind was slowly unfolding to this truth. And I'm so grateful, you know, for the trust and the space to have had that experience. Cause yeah, there, I'm just like very humbly sitting with the, the deep denial that I was in, in my marriage and the lessons I needed to really receive from that disintegration. So what's coming through is to share some about Peru because Peru is a really sacred place for both of us. And so we met that October and then I was going to Peru the next month, actually, with my husband at the time. And our pattern was when things were not great, when there was conflict, we'd like, oh, let's go on a trip, as if that would put a Band-Aid over the disconnection. And so we went to Peru and um, met with some of the shamans that Jeff connected us with and did some ceremony. And he came along kind of begrudgingly, <laughs> sat there while we did our despachos. And it was a beautiful experience to connect with our Caro brothers there. And from there, it was this accelerated disintegration, collapsing of the life that I knew it, the marriage that I knew it. Um, <laughs> my ex in that relationship was truly a reflection of my attachment to the external, my attachment to what other people thought to external validation, to validate my innate worthiness was a reflection of the unhealed parts of myself that I needed to go inward to heal. In order, yes. to live, in order to live the fullest expression of my soul's purpose. I had written down here, put a little uh, pin where exactly where you're at within your own mind, but I and my notes, this is something that you had shared, I believe on your website. These are Lena's words. I'm a good, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser turned truth speaker, good girl turned goddess, traditional therapist turned modern medicine woman. And yeah, it's just, I think it's so beautiful, you know, without shame and embarrassment and, you know, to just unlock and unfurl all these multidimensional aspects that we all have all of this hybrid of shadow and light within us. And I just think it's beautiful that we've gotten to this place in the journey where, yeah, you're speaking to the alchemization work and shifting from the denial to illumination work that you had to do because those are the friction meeting, cataclysmic, whatever we want to call it, uh, turning points in our lives where we're finally at a soul readiness to see truth about these aspects. And then what are we going to, what are we going to do with it? So how did you 
as you're in this place of both sided awareness of like, Oh my gosh, I've been doing this and that's causing this. And I'm being called over here. And like, so you're in that middle world of old paradigm wanting to disintegrate and collapse and and new portal paradigm calling you in. And you know, if you go fully in that whole thing's going to fully go. So what gave you the fortitude to keep stepping through the fire and allowing the old paradigm to go. Yeah. I kept, Allison, I kept getting this image during this like very intense fiery time of a caged animal, like a, a wild cat. Yeah. I carry a lot of, and I connect very deeply with large cat energy. So I, I kept getting this visual and I felt it viscerally in this embodied way, feeling caged, feeling self-imprisoned because I co-created my life in that moment the way that it was in my you know, 3D existence. So I had to, I, the best way I can describe it, it's, it's hard to put into words, but I felt like I, I had no choice. Yes, I had moment-to-moment choices, but where my soul was guiding my life, and that that was true with a capital T. And so kind of as that crew trip unfolded, my you know, marriage was disintegrating. I was kind of confronted with a lot of noise from my ex and from my family who I had to feel the fires of this judgment, but who literally believed at that time I was being brainwashed by an evil shaman. Mm. Yeah. So the, the rejection, right. And, and that touching on many, many lifetimes of oh. rejection, of persecution, of fear, death. Yeah. Oppression. Okay. No many lifetimes. God, what a gift. Like that forced you to go so deep to that needed place that your soul was so ready for you to dip into of trusting yourself and trusting this new way, because had you not hit up against that aspect that was so huge that you so needed to face and transmute. I am just seeing it visually how, yeah, how it coming right here, it forced you to dip so deep within yourself to navigate in a new way forward. What a gift. I mean, it it really, the Phoenix came to me so vividly over the, that particular year. And so I remember, you know, what's coming through now is this memory. We kind of fast forward a few months and everything's falling apart. The life that I knew it, Jeff and a couple other shamans were taking a group to Peru for an initiation journey. And from a human mind's perspective, it probably made no sense to go, but my soul was like, I have, yeah, I have to be there. And I remember having, we're in the middle of the separation process, having a conversation with my ex and going to, I'm going on this journey. And we were still kind of in this place of holding space, you know, for each other as things unraveled. And I knew in that moment that getting on that plane, that following spring to go to Peru, that was the fire. Like that was the catalyst of so much that was going to kind of hit the fan mm-hmm. in order for, for my accelerated initiation awakening to really take hold. Mm-hmm. And um, when we we're in Peru with that beautiful group, 
that trip, which is a very intense trip, we were receiving our healer rites from the Cairo at sunrise at Machu Picchu. And that was the same day, the same morning that a mass email and text went out to my entire community, friends, family, um, about being brainwashed, mm. overtaken by a dark shamanic energy. Mm. And so it was that moment um, mm-hmm. really just, yeah. Wow. I'm just wanting to be present that, yeah, I just want to sit with that for a moment here. Wow. Oh, wow. That is, that's huge. You guys, I mean, for both of you, I mean, Jeff, I'm like, now I'm waiting to hear from you, like your perspective and experience. Wow. Yeah from your side of things, witnessing and, oh boy, Lena, you got taken right to the the center of the hurricane there, because I mean, that, that had to have been a top fear. I mean, having this communication go out and you're a respected therapist, you have a thriving therapy business and I'm just feeling into and just seeing, I mean, that's a huge deal to have that communication go out where you're now in awareness that it's out of your control. And however many hundreds or thousands of people that received this email, it's then in their hands to decide what to think and do with that information. And you had previously built an entire life built on external validation. I mean, it's just, this is a biggie. Oh yes. I mean, ego death was real. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's probably the most intense moment of this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we receive certain rights of initiation, when we truly receive them, anything that we're carrying and everything that we're carrying that can prevent or obstruct or distort our embodiment of those rights goes up in flames. And that's exactly what we experienced. We were in Machu Picchu. And her phone was just blowing up. And we were we were kind of finished with the work that we were doing there. And we were leaving at the entrance. And Nina said, I need to go back in and just be with this. So she went back in. The rest of the group went down to the bottom, back into Agua Calientes. And I stayed to wait for her outside. Well, at some point, she kind of slipped through the room without me seeing. And... Here I am at the top of Machu Picchu, and she's down in Agua Calientes, and the train back to Uyayantai is leaving soon. And we didn't have any way to, to communicate with each other. See, when this explosion happened, um, my phone had been turned off. Okay. So here she is waiting for me at the bottom of the mountain, and I'm waiting for her at the top of the mountain. And both of us refused to leave each other. <laughs> At that point, which was very symbolic to all of this. And obviously we rejoined and we continued on our journey uh, together there and and ever since. But to watch her face all of this external adversity, all of this noise, right? And to continue to come back to her truth, the truth of her love, 
just back to her truth over and over again, regardless of, and I have to tell you, there are some really great stories that were spun about, about which, yeah. which I found on one hand, um, very entertaining on the other hand, kind of disturbing. Yeah. Well, I, I wanted to ask you that because yeah. I, how much work was in it for you? How much medicine was in it for you when it was being said, whatever the word was, this evil or dark shaman, which I know personally, there's been so many rites of passage for me. When we do this for publicly, the way that we all do, it brings with it certain things. And I know throughout the years, I've just had to get so much more adept at handling one aspect, which is people saying things about me, most often people who've never met me. And oftentimes the test for me is they'll say the exact thing I know I've gained mastery in, or I'm in, in, I'm in pure embodiment of. So I do the work in such a sacred way. And then I'll hear that someone's like, she's a whatever, a fake shaman who doesn't do the work in a sacred way. So for you, when you're hearing that someone's speaking, that you're a dark shaman or an evil shaman, what, yeah. What level of medicine was in it for you? And you know, you're human as well. We're all human too. Oh, was right. it hard to navigate that? For the most part, it, it wasn't, but there were certain aspects that were, and like Lena, where her communication went out to her community, the same thing occurred on my side. Okay. And the story that was being told was, yeah, I was a plastic shaman. I was evil. I was, you know, using dark energy to brainwash and control my victims. I would take wow. psychedelic sex rituals. And then other stories about calling my my personal character into question. You know, I divorced many, many years before I met Lena. But there were stories about that and stories about my past. Mm. All of them like not true. And I remember like hearing all of that, sitting at that inflection point of allowing myself to feel anger. Okay. Like allowing myself and acknowledging, you know, I'm really experiencing some anger about this mm -hmm. because it, and it wasn't so much about me. It was about how distorted this person in particular, uh, and there were actually two people in particular, how they were distorting the entire situation for mm. the unpersonal mm. and the effect mm. that was having on Lena. With me, I learned many years ago that I honestly, what other people think of me isn't any of my business, right? And I can see their projections. However, it didn't change the fact that I was feeling anger about this. And I remember at one point, Lena said to me, what are you going to do? Because there were, there, there were certain courses of action I could have taken. And I said, actually, I'm not going to do anything. Mm -hmm. We're going to take the spiritual high road because we're not going to do anything to this person or these people that they haven't or already aren't doing to themselves. Uh -huh. And over the course of time, the truth will be seen. And I remember we had this conversation on a number of occasions and we both felt that, right? Mm -hmm. And True to course, over the course of time, those there, there I had about two thirds of the clients that I was working with stopped working, mm -hmm. and I had spent you know quite a bit of time in Atlanta, kind of developing the work as it was flowing through me, and that was a clearing out. 
That was mm-hmm. a clearing out. I saw it really clearly. That was a clearing out of people that long-term I was not truly meant to work with, that I'd helped them to whatever degree I was able to up until that point in time. Yes. And then we began to see through the deconstruction, like this amazing amount of space that was opening up. Right? Yes, I see. And yeah, okay, so we saw the purposefulness of it. It didn't change the fact that we're human. It didn't change the fact that we felt all of these emotions connected with all of this. And what we found that was by acknowledging what we were feeling and ignoring the noise and saying true to our purpose. Holding true, that line, yeah. That's yeah. right. And, and true to what really, what the, 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 the foundational aspect of what I think led both of us was, was love. And we literally found ourselves in life starting all over again. And Mm -hmm. in retrospect, it was so beautiful because what has moved through us, I don't think Lena would have been creating five years ago. And I was certainly very happy being a nomad and just Mm -hmm. kind of going and and doing. But it was through this initiation, this walking Mm -hmm. through the fire repeatedly. Wow. That it burned away all of the surface layers to oh. serve us so we can serve others. Oh, my Lord. All I just did right before you said that for the two minutes before, all I could see was just, yeah, these flash flames and flat fires going through both. And just, I mean, the deepest clearing, like all the way through, like flame and fire going all the way through both of you. And it's like giving a whole other meaning to this thing I wrote down. <laughs> right. I was correct. I was going to read it again. So when I tune in, what area of Lena and Jeff gained mastery in boldly answering the call of soul, despite impending burning of what's known. Oh, I'm chills everywhere. Yeah. I mean, I had no idea. I mean, and thank you both because I just, the medicine that we have gotten to in this conversation, it just feels so important to, to God. Yeah. Just move through these types of conversations in this level of real and honest way, because Lena, even though I've connected with you, we've been in connection online for many years and we've done, you know, a couple of interviews together, but it's my first time meeting you, Jeff, but I was just so excited because I can tell the type of space that you hold and the embodiment that you have. And so I was really looking forward to this conversation and learning how you met. And I had no idea that you both in your coming together in this sacred union, it brought with it this type of initiation. And I just, there's something so healthy and imperative that I feel in you both being willing to publicly share because you're both public figures and you both now at some point received the download to create the East Institute, which is growing globally. And so you you are also simultaneously birthing this whole new brand to be of service for humanity and this planet and other worlds. And there's just something so powerful and brave that I just want to acknowledge and honor and both of you just being able to have this conversation with me and the people sitting with us to say like, yeah, these things were said about both of us, but here we sit, here we stand and we know who we really are. So thank you for holding that line and holding that space and being willing to be honest about this. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. We totally received that. And we feel like it's, it, our story 
we've been called to share. And this is actually the first time we've shared it in such a detailed, dropped-in way. So thank you for this space. I knew it was meant to come through in divine timing because the beginning of June, it will have been five years since it all unfolded. And there's something for me, Allison, a very potent aspect of my soul's purpose is to liberate, to help guide and, and shine a light and hold sacred space for the liberation of the divine feminine. And so I just want to highlight in the aspects of this story, the level of unconscious repression and oppression I allowed myself to be in in my past marriage was very humbling and a huge part of this particular initiation. How normalized that oppression was from an emotional standpoint, from a physical standpoint. And I share that because that has been normalized in our society, in our world. And we're called to shift into a new paradigm of what it means to be free and liberated. That's what we refer to as the liberated heart. You touched on something a few minutes ago where you referred to East as us kind of birthing this. And I'd love to share just a brief story about that. Selena and I do uh, medicine. And there was um, a time last year where we were sitting behind, behind our home outside. And we just felt like we were being called deeper and deeper and deeper into this work. So much so to where we knew that it was time to be the vessels in creation for what's now the East Institute. And we were sitting on the back porch and I said, are you ready for this? And she said, yes, I am. I was like, great. Well, the next night I was in ceremony and like the last 15 minutes, I was just kind of being and receiving. And I was given this amazing visual. I was taken into other dimensional realms and there was a council of elders all sitting and each elder represented the lineage of the six different teachings that we share with people as a council of elders. And they shared with me that they chose Mina as the divine feminine and myself as the divine masculine to birth and deliver the spirit child called East. And it was quite beautiful that you tuned into that, Allison, because that's exactly what this was. And the only way in retrospect that we would have been even remotely possible or capable of doing this was that we had to experience the fire over and over again, the purification, the falling away of all of those things that don't serve our purpose and to trust and choose love over fear, to follow where we're being guided, even though our human mind may not know, mm. the mind of our heart does. Yes, that is the path. That is the way. I mean, the one thing that's gotten me through so many of these initiations and rites of passage is just knowing like God goddess has me and I'm as long, I'm as long as I'm living through their instructions, 
as long as I'm living by the calls and directives of the divine, like I'm good, no matter what it looks like on the outside, no matter what it feels like, no matter who's saying what I'm so clear in my connection to source, the center point of source and great mother earth and the own divine wisdom, love, light, power, and truth that is me and lives within me. I'm that vertical line. I'm so clear. And as long as I'm moving from the directives of that line, I know I'm held. I know I'm protected. I know all is well, all is always well, no matter what it freaking looks or feels like. That's right. And sometimes it doesn't look so great. And sometimes it doesn't (laughs) feel so great. Uh -uh. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. But it's part of the pen Mm -hmm. to experience all that we experience, no matter how deep, dark in the shadow realm it is, whether it's our shadow or others, and to walk through that and bring that knowledge, put it into action as wisdom and share it with others. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yes. And holding that, holding the love, being continuing to be the love, continuing to send the love back to all that's a part of the initiations. And oh my goodness. And so now that we're here to the spirit child that is the East and (laughs) wow. So great to meet you spirit baby of the East. Yes. I know that you have a physical East Institute location in in the Atlanta area. Correct. And you're, it's my understanding that it's growing and So yeah, I would love for you to share with people. I know you work with folks in a lot of different ways and working with spirits of certain plants is one of various ways. But yeah, if you could explain a little bit about it and how folks can lean in if they're feeling called. There's so much to say, yes. So East, I want to share, East has actually two different meanings. So the first is entheogenic assisted spiritual transformation entheogenic meaning psychoactive plants. So the natural shamanic traditional way to work with medicine, and we primarily work with psilocybin mushrooms, is a big part of East in the call. And also it means Eastern approaches for spiritual transformation. So what moved through us is really this interdisciplinary, interconnected way to heal in an accelerated, sustainable, safe way of integrity. So it's not just the the medicine itself and the ceremonies themselves, but it's all the work around it. It's the preparation, bringing those subconscious fears into conscious awareness Mm. through meditation, transpersonal, uh, psychotherapy through different of inquiries and exercises in order to get the conscious mind online as we're working with the mentorship and the guidance of the sacred plants themselves. So it's very much, we put equal weight in plant medicine work and the preparation and integration work. So what I'm... Yeah, the, and the work is really centered around helping people heal the psycho-emotional dynamics that they carry that manifest in different conditions. Mm-hmm. Pressure, anxiety, trauma, just to name a few. For the purpose of going into a very deep spiritual transformation, we also do the shamanic work that we teach 
and that we do a significant amount of psycho-spiritual and teaching those practices to really work within the landscape of the soul, karmic dynamics, ancestral dynamics. So as Lena had mentioned, it's all of these different lineages and practices that have come together that support one another for the purpose of people being able to heal at the deepest levels, psycho-emotionally and psycho-spiritually. It's just so beautiful. I what a what a shamanic journey the three of us and everyone joining us just took. I like gonna be soaking this one in for a while. It's like hilarious and shadow transmuting and beautiful and divine. It's just it holds in it all the things, which was like the starting point of the conversation. And now I get, it's just so beautiful because for me, in order to get to a place of readiness and and divine time to align with Luke and our partnership, I really truly had to become sovereign within my own self and within my own being. And that took (laughs) a lot of work and many years of all sorts of things, including for me, five years of celibacy and just like all sorts of stuff. But I'm, I'm seeing as you're both sharing about the multifacetedness and all the different healing techniques and ways that you bring into the East Institute. It is, in my opinion, perfect grounds of healing to get into a place of readiness to get into alignment with your twin flame or sacred union partner. Not that that has to be everyone's intention for coming and working with you, but I'm just from my own perspective of what it took for Luke and I, and Luke would say the same thing. He had to get into his sovereign state. I had to get into my sovereign state. And then the divine was like, okay, now it's time because we were friends for many years and just like, duh. And like, not, it wasn't time for us to see it. Everyone else was like, hello, that Luke guy. And to him, that (laughs) and we're just like, Oh, you know, so yeah, I think it's so wonderful. And also so obvious and clear what you all went through for those five years. Yeah. Just, wow. I mean, the, the depth of the container that you can anchor into and hold for anyone else's initiations or awarenesses coming up, you've trudged through it, through it all individually and then together. So I can see the wide and and anchored container of safe healing space that you hold for others, no matter what they're coming to you for. So Oof, my goodness. Yeah. The liberated heart, right? Like I feel that medicine and what you both carry and, and sit here and share. And I would just love anything else that either or both of you feel called to share just any random thing that just is like continuing to knock that wants to be spoken or anything additional about your offerings, anything at all. There's a message that just has been coming through as we've been having this uh, beautiful conversation, people ask us all the time, like how invite that person into my life? How do I create the alignment to step into my purpose? And there are many questions like that. And the message is this, do your work fearlessly and it will come into your life. For me, she walked up the driveway. When we remove the obstructions, we create an alignment, a path to alignment. And then all we have to do is say yes.
So really good waters to sit in for as long as you can. Yes, to all of that. Thank you for that. Yeah. It's like a good swimming fish reminder that just <laughs> circulate around. That was a nice one. Lena, anything coming up for you? Yeah, very simple, but just really anchoring into love is your birthright. Love is your birthright. If you are alive, whether you're in human form or not, but as you're listening to this, love is always loving you. Love is your birthright. That remembrance, so essential. It's true for the capital T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last little thing I'll share. Come on in, Cookie. Oh, little Cookie girl wants to come in. You oh, wanted to be a part of before we say goodbye. Oh, she's such a little sweetheart down here. <laughs> oh my goodness. She like, I, ever since Luke and I moved into this, our new home, she's licking my leg right now, but she just, I don't know what has shifted, but she has to everywhere. I, do you guys remember when we were younger, there was that toy called my buddy, my buddy, my yeah. buddy, wherever yeah. I go, she goes. <laughs> it's like the song I sing, like she has to be touching me. She has to be sitting next to, I, I sing mommy. I'm like, you have to be next to mommy. So oh, yeah, so cookie. sweet. Yeah. So sweet that she came in, but yeah, I was sitting on the couch yesterday and like, Oh my goodness. I'm just in this place where I'm just so moved, um, by the gratitude for my life and just like, just giving thanks to I'll probably start crying again, but yeah, just giving thanks to all the guides, all the benevolent guides that I know and all the benevolent guides unknown. Right. It's like, it felt so important for me to like, say, thank you to all of the create helpful creatures in all of these worlds that like, I don't even, I'm not even aware of the miracles they're working on me or the divine orchestration that they are putting their hand in and playing a part in. And so, yes, it's just like this prayer of thanks to all benevolent guides, both known and unknown and just like, I'm just so astounded and so grateful for where it's all led me and for where I'm currently at. And I'm just so regularly astounded at the, the growing level of peace and joy and, and happiness that I have within myself. And they then gets reflected right. And my external, my life just with Luke and this home that we're now in and the silly little dog that has to go everywhere I go. And my funny little black Persian cat, that's like such a teacher. He's this, the ultimate, like OG shaman healer guru that needs <laughs> no acknowledgement. He never needs a picture taken. He will just hold the most potent space and then just carry on his way. And like, doesn't even want to be like, He's just such a beautiful teacher in so many ways. Anyways, I just wanted to speak uh, my gratitude out loud, I guess, for by doing what you both just shared in your final downloads by me doing both of those things. It's that is what has arrived me to here, arrived me to this place in my life. And it always just feels good to speak that, that gratitude out loud and to have witnesses too. So, oh my goodness. I knew I needed to have this conversation with you both today. It was such 
beautiful healing nourishment for myself and for the world. And yeah, just like to eradicate shame in some way. Like, I don't know. I just yeah. thank you for all you brought to this ceremony circle time. Wow. Yeah. So much additional that we could get into. Um, I'll of course link the East Institute in the show notes and we'll guide people there and the Instagram post about this interview, but where can they find both of you online? On social media at I am Lena Franklin and lenafranklin.com for work to specifically share. Theeastinstitute.com and at the East Institute for uh, social. Beautiful. And for the shamanic journey that we're going to let you both lead people into, because I wanted to talk to Lena and Jeff the whole time, we're going to share one of their recorded shamanic journeys. And do you know the theme of the journey that the folks are about to be led into? Yes. So connecting with the universal heart and allowing that to be the portal into the soul's landscape to connect with any messages that need to come through. Okay, so we're going to be heading into our shamanic journey here where we're going into the landscape of the soul and connecting with any guides or messages that want to come through. So we're going to begin with just a couple of minutes of shamanic breath work. It's going to be inhale, inhale through the nostrils and exhale through the mouth to the sound of the drum. Begin to bring your awareness into a spark of light in the back of the heart. And with each inhale and exhale, the spark of light, golden light, begins to expand to the diameter of a quarter, opening then to the diameter of a saucer and eventually expanding into the diameter of a dinner plate, this sparkling, viscous, golden portal in the back of your heart. Walk your awareness through this portal and into your soul sanctuary, this vast and bright realm of white light. Invite yourself to rest here for a moment in your soul sanctuary, floating, surrendering, letting go. You may feel yourself tucked into a restful cocoon here in the soul sanctuary. 
no effort, just effortlessness flowing through your entire being. And now beginning slowly to make your way back into the back side of the soul sanctuary, you begin to see a threshold. And you move towards that threshold. And you begin to make your way down a staircase. One step at a time, you may notice the color of the stairs how it winds, bringing you down, down, down. And eventually as you reach the bottom of the staircase, you move through another threshold and you step out into your soul's landscape. Peering out, notice the colors, the textures, the visuals, Notice the natural surroundings really encompassing you in that moment. It may feel like a familiar place or it may be completely new opening to this moment right here in your soul's landscape. You begin slowly to walk into the landscape with a heart open with curiosity. And in this moment, call in a guide, an ancestor, or a being that is an embodiment of love and support for you. And taking a moment to allow this spirit guide, this power animal, this beautiful being of love and support, this ancestor to arrive right here before you. And maybe more than one show up. And as your guide or guides arrive, Thank them for their unconditional love and ask if they have any messages for you. And remember, they may speak or communicate in a different language or system, being open to the messages. You may have a specific question to ask your guide, your ancestor, your beautiful being of love and support. And they may wanna take you somewhere on a short journey, on a short voyage of exploration and illumination right here in your soul's landscape. You allow the journey to unfold with this being of unconditional love here 
to support you on your heroic journey of soul evolution. Staying open to receiving what it is your soul needs in this moment. You may be shown images, messages, insights. Your beloved guide may gift you an object to bring back, a symbol of the wisdom that you need. Surrender to receive through the quantum multidimensionality of your heart. The limitlessness of who you are through the heart space. Taking another moment or so to make your way back to that clearing, that area right before the threshold. If there's any other questions or messages you need to share or ask your guide, please do so now. Bowing to them for showing up for you, for loving you, for holding you, for supporting you on this journey. Beginning to turn around to make your way back through the threshold and back up the staircase. Back into the soul sanctuary, that expansive realm of high vibrational white light. Resting here, beloved. Receiving restoration and nurturing with each inhale. Surrendering even more deeply with each exhale. Beginning to see that golden, viscous portal begin to open. back through the back of your heart back into the temple of your body 
feeling the beat of this universal heart within you. The heart of humanity. The heart of Pachamama. The heart of the universe. Feeling your physical body, wherever you are, bringing gentle movements to the fingers, the toes, sensing the earth beneath you, the seat beneath you. Very gently, mindfully coming back to this miraculous temple. Taking a bow to yourself for showing up to this practice. Aho, namaste, satnam, munai. Feels very fitting for today. <laughs> oh, goodness. What a life. What a ride. What a ceremony circle conversation. Thank you both. I look forward to spending time in person at some point soon. You're always welcome to stay in our guest room here in Austin the next time you guys come out if you want. And thank you both. Thank you. Deep gratitude. Thank you. All right, Soul Family, thank you for weaving and co-creating with us and sitting with us today. And we will sit with you again next time. Woo! What a beautiful, powerful voyage that was. It truly brings me so much joy and activates and lights me up to be able to sit with these incredible teachers, leaders, and masters from all over the world. So to learn more about them, just head to my website where all of the show notes and their details are listed. That's alisoncharles.com, A-L-Y-S-O-N-C-H-A-R-L-E-S.com. And remember, what makes Ceremony Circle Podcast so unique is that at the end of every single episode, you're able to immerse in a potent guided ritual practice or ceremony for your empowerment. So please feel free to make note of the practices that you really resonate with, the ones that really light up your soul and come back to those episodes anytime, any day. You can use them as your daily practices. And I recommend starting your day with one of them at your altar space. Ah, it's been an honor voyaging with you today. And I would so truly appreciate if you'd open your heart to take a quick few seconds to drop a review on Apple, sharing what you love most or appreciate most about Ceremony Circle Podcast. Receiving those reviews is so helpful and allows us to continue to share this valuable content. And don't forget, if you haven't already gotten your copy of my new best-selling book, Animal Power, you can do so anywhere books are sold, or I most recommend going to my website. Again, that's alisoncharles.com, 
backslash animal power. Because when you purchase for you and your friends there, you get a free video guided shamanic journey to meet your current power animal that I facilitate. Animal Power Book is a modern day compendium featuring 100 different power animals, what each animal represents, their wisdom messages for you, guided practices, and stories from all over the world. I personally put the book up to my heart each morning at my altar, and I ask which animal most wants to work with me that day. And then I simply close my eyes and flip the book open to the page I'm guided. And let me tell you, I have been deeply moved to tears on many occasions, and I can't wait for you to experience it as well. I worked on this book for many, many years, and it's now my greatest honor to have it available for you. So anytime animals reveal themselves for you, you can just head to Animal Power Book and see what that animal is trying to get your attention for. All right, Soul Fam, let's unite again in our next episode coming out next week so we can sit together and continue to activate greater consciousness energies for everyone. Much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.